listeners and welcome to the NK News Podcast. I am your host, Jacko Zwetslut, and today it's the morning of Friday the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, and I'm joined here in Seoul around the NK News Podcast table, possibly for the last time because next year we'll be in uh, new digs. Joined by three members of the NK News team, James Fretwell, Collins Werko, and NK News and NK Pro founder and CEO Chad O'Carroll. We're here to do an end-of-year look back and look forward. Before we get started, please re- leave a review about this podcast wherever you can, and that is so that people can discover our podcast more easily. We'll get new lis- listeners that way. No reviews means that the all-powerful algorithm pushes us down the internet podcast rabbit hole into the abyss of ignorance, and no new people will ever listen to us again. So please do leave a review. And while you're at it, do share this episode with everyone you know and three people you don't. Secondly, do check out nknews.org and consider buying a subscription. If you get a yearly subscription, it is very affordable. It's only about a dollar a day, which is much less than the cost of a Starbucks coffee. Looking at James, who's having a Starbucks coffee. Thirdly, this is something I've never said before. This is to uh, Colin, who says, I always say the same thing at the start of every podcast. I've never said these words on the podcast before. Please follow all of us on Twitter. I don't believe I've ever said these words to anyone in real life or on the podcast, so mark this down in your history books. I'm a latecomer uh, to Twitter, very skittish on the Twit machine. Uh, you'll find NK News at NK News, so that's easy. Chad O'Carroll is at Chad OCL. James Fretwell is at James Fretwell, where the L's are number ones. Is that because some other James Fretwell had already taken James Fretwell? James? That is absolutely true, and I have I have no idea who they are, but I, I you, must... You've never reached out to him to say, hi, I'm actually the real James <laughs> Fretwell. Is, is he or she, uh, are they making good use of their Twitter handle? You know, I'll have to uh, I'll have to um, research that and, uh, and get back to you. I wonder if people write to people with the same name and say, look, you don't seem to be making much use of it. Why don't you sell it to me and I'll take it over? Well, uh, weirdly on Facebook, I do remember as a teenager, there was I, I got contacted by another James Fretwell who mm-hmm. had made a group of James Fretwells. Wow. So it oh, does, yeah, it I got contacted happen. by yeah, a very James group. Fretwell kind yeah. of thing to do. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> no Jacko or Yoko group has ever reached out to contact me. So, you know, if you're out there, uh, Jackos or Yokos, uh, you know, I'm here. Uh, you can find me at Jacko Z, that's J-A-C-C-O-Z-E-D, or Z-E-D if you're American. Speaking of Americans, Collins Werko is at Collins Werko, which is Z-W-I-R-K-O. I think you said the, the NK News plot, the NK News Twitter was yeah, it's, N- it's, at NK News, but it's at NK News Org. Yeah. Crown. Important information. Yeah, that, no, that is a very important Dear information. Dear listeners. Look at that. On my, very fo- on my maiden Twitter broadcast, I gave the wrong Twitter handle. That is shocking. shocking. What is at NK News? At Good NKNews question. org, org. No, but, but what? <laughs> the original. I, oh. I don't know. It's maybe someone KCNA have maybe grabbed it. Could it be a squatter, <laughs> a cyber, a, a Twitter squatter? <laughs> Uh, now, anyway, I noticed that uh, in, in all this Twitter discussion, which we've never had before and hopefully never have again, I noticed that Colin is currently the only one of the four of us who has an all-powerful verified blue Twitter checkmark. I've tried <laughs> twice to get one, but have been summarily refused both times without explanation. Maybe if I get more followers. Colin, what's your secret? How did you do it? I don't know. I just thought it was something that I should do as a member of a news organization. So I just tried and I got it. I don't know. Awesome. Well, you know, I've chosen not to. Um, I'm, n- I'm never going to apply for one. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I, I think that uh, just, just to when go I, against the grain for the sake of it. When <laughs> I reach out, making to me feel uh, embarrassed for it now. <laughs> you should be ashamed. Oh dear. Well, I hope to be ashamed next year when I uh, apply for my third time. Uh, anyway, welcome back on the podcast, James, Chad, and Colin. Uh, we apologise to our listeners. We've got four men with very similar voices here. Uh, 
I must explain that I did send out an invitation to all NK News colleagues at the same time, and these three happen to have been the first to reply in the affirmative. It's not that we're opposed to uh, gender diversity at all. Yes. Great. So uh, let us talk about uh, what we did this year. This is a bit of a, a review episode. It's a little bit chaotic. I haven't got specific topics for each of you, just questions and, and, and keywords. What has been your favorite NK-related story of the year. Who wants to kick that off? Uh, I, I'll start by maybe embarrassing Colin. Mm. Um, I think the uh, the the wrist watch uh, <laughs> watch story where uh, the Colin, wrist watch watch. Yes, where Colin was tracking Kim Jong Un's weight by uh, looking at how, mm. how tightly the North Korean leader was uh, wearing his watch, and that was great because uh, it was very creative of mm-hmm. you, Colin. And uh, the world media picked up on that, and it was really going viral. They were even using uh, the image that you created right in their in their news articles. And uh, you know, it was, it was it was good fun to to mm. see this uh, kind of spread around the world, and uh, to be thinking, yeah, I'm sitting next to oh, come on. Next okay, to stop, the stop. guy. <laughs> I, I think I've that talked came about up this. With the idea. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, maybe. Um, but, but not mean, everyone has heard that episode, so do, do uh, recap for us. And I, I think it, it is testament to your, right, uh, you do have a really good set of eyes, that you're good with the satellite photos and with noticing things, visual things, that not everyone picks up on. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that was just, um, you know, I saw that he had lost weight. Uh, that was obvious. People were, were kind of commenting about that on Twitter. So I thought it's not enough to just say that. Um, anecdotally maybe so i thought just look for some sort of uh more empirical proof i guess right. uh so i just kind of threw that in there as a as a way to uh you know support the argument um but the argument of the story was not he lost weight the the argument of the the original story and we were the first ones to actually report that he lost weight back i i guess that was in june um that it was important because you know if he if that's a sign of some health problem, then that's something that uh, intelligence agencies need to know. And so I talked I talked to some people who said that that's exactly what they'd be looking for. Yeah, you know, is that a sign of some health issue? So that was the point really. And um, yeah, throughout the rest of the year, you'll you'll find that now it's become a favorite of news, you know, less serious news organizations out there who will continue to write stories every time Kim Jong Un appears. That's the headline is uh, appears that Kim Jong Un lost weight. Like, uh, I don't know, we, we kind of passed that already, but right. But it is important to continue to watch out for little things here and there. And yeah, there were things throughout the year, uh, signs of health issues. You know, he was like standing on little padded mats, wearing weird uh, new comfort sandals instead of well, dress shoes. shoes. Yeah, he had like a bandage on his head, mm. on the back of his head at one point. Um, yeah, it, these things all point to you know, something going uh, well, something strange with his his health, and uh, also he wasn't really around that much this year. He only showed up basically at political events. Uh, he went. He only left Pyongyang once officially. Mm. Uh, satellite imagery looks like he spent a lot of time at his mansions. He was building new mansions across the country. He was demolishing mansions. You know, that's the life of Kim Jong Un. So. But you you say that the mansions are across the country, but he only left Pyongyang once officially. So is that? Uh uh, can I infer from that that when he goes to these mansions, it's simply not reported on, but he is actually outside Pyongyang at that time? Yeah, you we, we can't say that we have proof that he's there, but uh, by nature of North Korea, if, if uh, there are all these mansion compounds around the country, 
there's construction going on. That doesn't mean he's there if there's construction going on, but that means he ordered it for sure. Right. Uh, and when there's boat parties, when he's got his giant, you know, water slide boat hanging out at his 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 apparently his favorite mansion out on the on the east coast in Wonsan. Yeah. That means he's probably there, and if he's not, it's his family enjoying themselves, you know, amid a food crisis and all this. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, other favorite uh, North Korea stories of the year? Can I jump in with one more? Is that okay? Sure. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> go on, go on, James. Professor Andre Lankov's uh, recent article about how North Korea is going to go into an information dark age. Uh, as a historian myself by training, we we do like our our eras and our and our periods. And yes. I think Andre uh, Professor Lankov has um, probably correctly predicted. I I think the uh, the next uh, or the current the the big development in a in North Korean history that we're going through. Of course, we're going to see more missiles um, over the next few years as well. But I I think these uh, these border closures, the lack of information coming out, I think that's something that uh, in the decades to come, we're going to look back at uh, what's going on now. And that might be uh, how we remember this time. Now, North Korea has never been in a uh, an, inform- an information bright age, uh, <laughs> so it's the border closures here that are adding an extra layer of darkness. Yes, is it? Is that yeah, information darker information dark age? Okay, yeah, would be a better way darker to describe age. it. Darker yeah. age, yeah. But I'd say that <clears throat> this kind of ties into what um, I've really enjoyed doing this year, which is due to the what's going on in North Korea, the lack of access, the diminishing sources. I mean, you you guys remember this all started last year with our trip to Yunpyongdo, the island that was shelled by North Korea. But I've got quite addicted to uh, going to the border yeah. now, and have we've we've done various trips to like the east coast to uh, uh, new spots that have opened up um, just uh, near Kimpo, um, going out to Kangwado, and it's um, you know it's limited what you can see. But um, I had never really. For some reason, I'd never been that curious about doing that from South Korea because uh, I just assumed you're just going to see some show village or something along those lines. But we've, um, you know, it, it's like not super exciting stuff, but it's really interesting for people like us to just to, to take the zoom lens and like peer into a village and just see people um, getting around with their, their daily activities, moving things. And, and you know, I mean... There was a time that those kind of photos, we'd put the, put them online on the website and it wouldn't really get much response. Mm. But done it a couple of times this year and it got actually quite, um, you know, quite a lot of traffic, which I think also, t- you know, uh, in, underscores the fact that there is just really little information and there's like an appetite for stuff that can come out. Um, it's hard to know, like, you know, there are limited places you can go to and, and we're, we've gone to most of them, but there, you know, there's still a few I'd like to go to in the new year, Pingyongdo, the, mm. um, the larger of the two islands that near North Korea. So maybe we'll plan a field trip. That does and, require uh, quite a bit of uh, planning, doesn't it? You go yeah. against that ferry two super days, early in the morning. We need to go for two days, yeah. basically, but it'd be fun. Uh, speaking of uh, stories that have, have uh, attracted traffic from readers uh do we know what the most popular stories of the year have been chat uh yes we do i don't have those statistics in front of me um right now um but i can i can come back to that later on in the episode chad is there any way that we can know what the most popular stories with readers were this year 
Yep, I'm just looking at Google Analytics now. Number one, Kim Jong-un's wife has been missing from the public eye for more than a year. I think that was Colin. Is that a Colin story? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, number two, Colin wrote this. Mysterious spot and bandage appears on the back of Kim Jong-un's head. That is a Colin story. Yeah, which if you want to know, I mean, that, that if you want to know an update on that, that was mm. just uh, some kind of splotch. It was like kind of green colored on the back of his head, kind of under where his hair would be. Yeah. Uh, at the the base of the skull is that where that would be and um uh it doesn't look like it's anything more than some kind of skin issue okay so so who knows Hmm. you know there's a bit of a trend here i'll just read through a few more of these kim jong-un looks thinner and intelligence agencies are likely paying attention everyone in north korea is talking about emaciated kim jong-un state media which was a really interesting story because state media actually Mm. commented on it through an an interview uh, DPRK imports from China collapse amid uh, China uh, signs of food crisis. Yeah, uh, there's there's an ask a North Korean on uh, what do North Koreans typically eat. This is the trend here is food food shortages mm. and leadership basically. Right. Um, yeah, and then you go further down. Once lush uh, supermarkets are now barren and deceptive in North Korea. Um, oh, and North Korean defector Yeonmi. Park models human rights message with partisanship. That was an op-ed by John Lee, who um, I think was uh, quite critical of 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 the way that um, Yomi Park has described some human rights abuses in North Korea, and and uh, maybe mixed that with um, U.S. domestic political uh, advocacy. Is that uh, John Lee, the Korean foreigner? Yes, John Lee, the Korean foreigner, mm. who um, yeah, he, he writes solid columns. Um, so yeah, that that seems to be the theme of the year, the popularity. And right. uh, we must say, Colin's Colin Zverko actually wrote a lot of these. So. And I noticed this morning that the most popular story trending right now on the website is a story by Colin published just this week about a new Twitter account from North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want me to, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. It's just uh, the North Korea has had this sort of Twitter slash YouTube slash Weibo, which is the Chinese social media network. Uh, strategy uh, propaganda campaign going on since about 2018 mm-hmm. uh, it's all run by a company called sogwang media company at least it was at the beginning who knows if like they've been taken over or changed because the sogwang right. website is actually down ah. for no, over wait, a year wait. now better background here sogwang is that not uh, run by the wife of the current dpk ambassador to china or have i got my stories mixed up uh yes that is that is true okay yeah uh i talked to her on the phone uh, about a year ago and she confirmed some information at the time about uh how they're connected to kcna they're actually in a building that's physically connected to kcna in pyongyang Mm. uh and so so is ap news uh yeah 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 well yeah so it's a little different but yes (laughs) uh so obviously this is a propaganda campaign or operation that is approved at the highest levels in North Korea. It's mm-hmm. run out of North Korea and it's just, you know, photos and positive messages about North Korea in English and Chinese to right. the outside world. <clears throat> so uh, they've been deleted and suspended from Twitter and YouTube many times, but they keep coming back. So they have a new account that just popped up in the last couple of months and they're trying to put the personalized spin on it with these vloggers, uh, usually like young women mm-hmm. and some young men. For a while there, uh, it was uh, Una was the number one vlogger, uh, but now I believe it's uh, is it Jonghee? Have I got her name right? Uh, Jinhee. Jinhee. Jin, Jin yeah. Yep. So yeah, it was this girl named Una, and uh, she disappeared at the end of 2020, 
you know, maybe she got fired or who knows. Her last happened. video was was criticizing YouTube, right? Uh, yeah, it was something strange about how she actually actively came out and made a video very personal about like mm. you know how dare you know Google is uh, trying to take us down, something like that. I, I'm paraphrasing, but um. Yeah, so it's just a. Uh, the point of my article this week is just they're they're continuing this campaign of positive messages in English and Chinese, but they're not changing their propaganda strategy at all. It's just very uh, typical North Korean propaganda, a little bit you know not being creative or innovative, uh, at least anymore. It kind of was at the beginning. Yeah, it was. I mean, even some of the early uh, Jinhee videos, it was less propaganda and it was more like, let's go and visit a restaurant or let's. Uh, yeah, it's walk like tourist videos. A, walk you through know. an autumnal park and talk about my mother or something. You know, Are they still making content in Russian? Because I think that's how she started doing. Uh, yeah, she was speaking Russian. Now she's speaking Chinese and English in her videos. And I haven't seen a Russian language video. So maybe they figured out that's not a target market they really need mm. to worry about anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, Kim Jong un said at the, at the Congress last january that the the for the external information sector needs to up their game basically and it doesn't seem like they really are mm. not that you know they need to but right uh yeah. from my personal opinion yeah um anyone got a, a favorite north korea based book or documentary that they've uh, encountered in the last year it doesn't have to be a new one just something that you've encountered in the last year yeah, I I watched um, a Channel Four News, which is a British network. It was actually something filmed back in 2018 that I'd overlooked. Um, and while the summits were going on, they sent a crew to South Korea and basically um, followed several defectors around and documented their experience of trying to remit money, trying to call home, mm. and um, I don't know. Well, it was the first time I, I think I'd actually really seen something that just focused on that and what struck me was just how you know how difficult it seems to be getting and like to they, send money to, and make phone yeah, calls yeah, yeah yeah and that was back then 2018 yeah and that mean, was well it, before the pandemic gosh doing calls you know they were they had they managed to tape one with someone's like family member he had to go up on a hill like multiple times uh they missed a hill the, in north Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they missed the call and and then even when he was on the phone he was like really stressing like, i right. have to end this call like within three or four minutes people are watching and um you know we know that this problem has got significantly worse since covid hmm. and uh yeah it just like to be honest it just makes me increasingly skeptical of those um who continue to um, claim an ability to do this uh, multiple times a day because right. a lot of very serious people that work in human rights and amongst defectors are saying it's getting much, much harder. So I don't see how mm. that, and it's, you know, it's certainly got harder for us to move information. And so I don't understand how, um, how some organizations on the surface are not being affected by this, but... And is it generally uh, people using Chinese phones and Chinese phone networks? Is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, you, you yeah. need a Chinese phone on the North Korean side of the border and um, you can basically dial that Chinese number from South Korea and get through. But the thing in the documentary was like they were just getting uh, the phone switched off um, message right. most of the time because the, 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 the signal is so patchy that mm. the calls just can't connect a lot of the time. Uh, so, you know, that was back then and we, we've read reports of north korea increasing its surveillance increasing i mean yeah andre's Lan andre lankov's article touches upon this we know physically defector numbers are massively down mm. so 
there is clearly evident, like the data shows there is definitely a problem here, right, in, in getting people out. Um, and I would argue that that logically must extend to information as well. So yeah, it's um, that was a really interesting documentary, and it would be, mm. be, I think it would be really interesting if someone did an update on that and actually took a deep dive into documenting uh, how defectors are, are finding things right now. Right. Um, Do you remember the title of this? Uh, the, I don't remember. Channel it, Four, but it, you can find it on the internet. Maybe Dispatches. Yeah, uh, I think it was Dispatches. If the if doubt is starting to come up a bit, uh, and it seems like it has uh, in terms of how these uh, organizations get their information, they, that might uh, tip the scale in terms of a motivation to show a little bit of it. I would think so. Maybe there's a chance that they would cooperate with some film crews. I mean, you know, they'd want to, uh, you know, regain some trust. I think, yeah. they, but they'd want to be very secret at the sa- secretive at the same time. I mean, the, the defective how networks. they're no, 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 no. I mean the, uh, you know, the organizations which continue to claim that they are in ah. constant contact with North Koreans mm. via phone. You know, it'd be interesting. Now I know years ago uh, a friend of mine was traveling in North Korea, came down to to Panmunjom on the northern side, and he had his South Korean phone with him and was able to get on the South Korean network in Panmunjom because it was you know close enough are there any confirmed reports of uh, of people using the south korean network to contact north koreans very very close to the border say either in kangwon province or in gyeonggi province yeah that's an interesting question uh i don't know i've not heard any but you know one thing i always do when i go to the 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 border and I always send my results of this experiment to Martin Williams of North Korea Tech, is I, I go onto my phone settings and do a network scan mm. to try and look for North Korean signal. Sure. And uh, I never, ever get it. Like ah. It's it's because, yeah, you're right. You can get the South the South Korean signal in uh, quite a few parts of the, 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 the deep south of North Korea. Yeah. But it appears they, they seem to cut their signal short a bit so mm. that maybe it doesn't fully reach the border. And it's probably due to, you know, concern that, that there may be some way of uh, South Korea hacking into it and getting Are you sure that's not uh, built into, you know, South Korean phones are legally required to do all sorts of stuff? No, no, mm. I have an international phone and it works oh, okay. in North Korea and, okay. you know, can pick up the signal. Uh, that I do remember that the, I inter- interviewed the Air Corio, Air Corio, uh, Coriolink technical director, an Egyptian guy who quit his post in 2013 and uh, I interviewed him in 2015. I, th- I seem to remember him saying that there was some deliberate um, uh, blocking or, or boosting of some signals around borders to prevent uh, any bleed over, yeah. uh, which may be what we're seeing. And the North Koreans probably have more reason to be quite strong about this but um yeah mm. got it okay. I, I have an answer to the the documentary or whatever yeah it's favorite yeah, I, book or documentary yeah well i've just been watching more videos that come out that keep coming out on youtube from the Ar- aramaki project aramaki project it's this guy uh i believe oliver wrote about this a couple of years ago um our former colleague Oliver yeah Hoffer. yeah and he might i think he might have gotten help from our current colleague oliver or you know i might be confusing which one wrote anyway uh it's it's this uh, japanese man who for years you know ever since the 90s i think or mm. maybe the early 2000s was taking camcorder videos that are so if you enjoy kind of the raw footage you know these days on youtube uh walking tours of cities are very popular so right. it's, it's like that but filmed in the 2000s Pyongyang or uh-huh. all around North Korea and they're very interesting videos usually wow. they're like 10 minutes long and it's just you know him walking around the streets 
zooming in on people, you know, going about their daily lives. Uh, so it's, 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 it's really interesting to kind of step back in time. Some of them are more recent, you know, like since 2015, 16. So what was he in yeah. there as a tourist? Yeah, I think he's, he, uh, I, you know, it's all in the article, um, yeah. because they interview him. Okay. I forgot exactly the details of, of how he gets such access, but mm. I think he's with, uh, maybe, I don't know, Chung, um, Chung Japanese Rios. association people. I, I don't know, but, uh, Good accent. Anyway, they're very interesting, and mm. it's a raw look at North Korea. Um, I like that kind of thing. So Aramaki, less polished. Yeah, Aramaki project. Okay, something to look for there on. They the keep YouTube. coming out. You know, the videos keep coming out. So. Oh, great! As they become digitized and re-edited, I right, suppose. Right, yeah. right. Okay, all right. Uh, James, any favorite book or uh, documentary this year? I'm going to cheat a little bit and turn this into a film. Uh, okay. And, and drama as well. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, South Korean movies mm. and dramas uh early this year the movie fighter korean name paito mm -hmm. uh, came out so that's about a north korean defector adjusting to life in south korea and um finds uh kind of her her place in south korean society oh it's through, a woman through yes mm. uh through um training to be a boxer and um of course there is the uh the real life uh, north korean defector boxing mm. champion mm. uh trey hyun mi um but uh yeah it's, it was a fantastic movie uh unfortunately the the theater was pretty empty when yeah. when i saw it which is a which is a big shame is that a um, function of covid or a function of the movie not being as popular as it should be well i i also saw spider-man uh recently and that theater was pretty full so i i think it's a, <laughs> hmm. i think it's a, not a covid thing necessarily okay. but that was a really terrific movie and of course uh you know kind of a metaphor right for for defectors uh, lives in general you've got to be a, a fighter mm. um not yeah. necessarily literally but also uh, metaphorically um and also dp which i mean it isn't about north korea deserter pursuits which is a, a netflix drama this year um about the the real life um part of the south korean military that uh, tracks down right. uh, runaways from the uh the south korean military because all men in it, uh, here have to uh do military service yeah. um for around two years and um it was uh it it, it detailed some of the it, uh, sympathetically sometimes of uh, some of the reasons why these mm. people uh decided to run away from the south korean military and uh interestingly north korean media also uh, someone in North Korea watched watched this drama, and uh, there was criticism from North Korea of this shows, uh, you know how how awful life in the South Korean military is. But presumably that's on Uri Minjokiri, which is the North Korean propaganda site for South Koreans. Something like this, yeah, but external media. I mean, I this is I mean that in itself isn't something particularly new for North Korea. They're always. Uh, looking at things in South Korea, and mm. even, even I think even Squid Game, they were looking at right and saying, you know, uh, this shows South Korea is is a horrible place. Um, I think the interesting thing about DP is that it is somewhat based on uh, on reality, and um, it, it does make me wonder that you know most North Korean propaganda probably wouldn't have much of an effect if if South Koreans could have. Uh, ready access to it mm. um, but sometimes you do come across reports like this and I, I did wonder you know if if, uh, if lots of South Koreans could read this this kind of criticism um, that uh, you know would what kind of effects would would this have 
What are you talking about? Like military readiness, South Korean military? Is that what the point? No, no, no. About um, you know these these people are running away from the South Korean military because of uh, bullying, hazing, bullying. Yeah. So uh, meaning, bull- you know, it's it's a it's if we're talking about North Korea, it's a view on how they would. Uh, how ready the South Korean military is, how, how oh, passionate. Just about if you're um, doing your obligatory um, uh, military service in South Korea, how, how tough it can be and how poorly the, um, the, the men in the military are treated. Mm. And this, this is a reflection of, of South Korean society and, and why... You know, eventually we I'm should sure all those, unite under the... Yeah, I'm sure those problems probably also exist in North Korea, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not denying that, yeah. but um, yeah. The show would have been more interesting maybe if it was a North Korean DP. I mm. thought it was too short. It's only six episodes and it... Yeah, I was just a bit underwhelmed by it. I haven't watched it yet, so I'll have to get the one Squid over. Squid Game, uh, on the other hand, yeah. effects have played a role in that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, if you want to talk about South Korean society, watch <laughs> Hellbound, eh? Oh, yeah, Hellbound, yes. I'm, I'm watching that right now. It's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty full on. <laughs> I got the uh, the comic books after watching the show. Uh, okay, next question: Who is your um, favorite North Korea expert who doesn't yet write for NK News or NK Pro? Who's who's put out some really good content this year? Whose website or uh, blog or or, or op-eds do you follow? Yeah, I would say Brian Myers. Uh, he has contributed one or two mm-hmm. columns to us over the years, and I often email him. He's very polite, but he yep. always he always rejects me. <laughs> he does write um, some very interesting stuff on his. Uh, we don't we can't call it a blog, but it's it's a it's a website. Uh, Steel Ste- Press. Steel, Steel Press. Yeah. S T H E L E. Yeah, press. He's, dot com. He's. Uh, I, I don't always agree with him, but uh, you know he writes. Um, you know, well argumented and yep. uh, structured commentaries about mm. uh, South Korea, North Korea, um, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's you know he's a really important voice, and right. uh, I I like the fact what he does is different. Mm. Um, you know, when you read the the Beltway think tanks, yep. and you can just predict often what they're going to say, and it's to be honest, I, I wouldn't. I don't use my time reading a lot a lot of these materials. Mm. Um but his blog I do read regularly. Um Can't call it a blog. Uh so yeah, Mr. Myers, Professor yeah. Myers, if you're listening. Yeah, um, it's thoughtful, it's thought provoking. And if you are listening, we do welcome you, you on the uh, podcast anytime. Uh you know, we have an open invitation <laughs> for you to come on. I've interviewed him a couple of times on um the KEI podcast when I was a uh, host of that. They they were really great interviews. Um yeah. so uh yeah. Um he would be one person that comes to mind from from my side. Okay. Any other uh, good writers who don't yet work with us? No. All right. Um, what about most overlooked NK uh, North Korea related article this year? What's you know something that you thought was important but didn't get as much traction or pickup as you thought it should have? Oh yeah, that that definitely for us. Well, for me, we uh, would have been there was a, a, a ship sanctioned by the United Nations mm. that. Um, docked in Pusan, South Korean authorities, um, I think, uh, basically took a a sort of um, penalty action towards the vessel and the crew and said, you can't leave, you can't dock, uh, just just be uh, anchored out of of Pusan. And we sent uh, Wong Gi and Jong Min down to Pusan to to, uh, uh, film it using a long lens. And um, what was interesting is the South Koreans, had, the government had not revealed that they had basically seized this sanctioned 
ship that had a, a previous record delivering oil indirectly to North Korea. They didn't mention it. No foreign ministry statements. And this is all around the time that uh, I think Moon was doing the letters to Kim Jong-un mm. and they were they were rebuilding trust and, and momentum to get the inter-Korean hotlines back. And that story, we published it. We had great video photos, mm. just completely, you know, tumbleweeds. Disappeared. And um, mm. usually, yep. usually the conservative South Korean press would have been on a story like right. that. Right. Uh, because it's just... Um, you know, it, it, it can be used to bash the government in some way or like undermine that those sprouts of outreach towards Kim Jong-un. Look, it's two-faced. They're actually seizing vessels connected to North Korea at the same now time. Just remind but, us, the uh, what actually is the connection? Was the ship North Korean owned or were there no, North no, Korean no, crew no. on it? Or? No, no. So, yeah, it, it was a, a UN-designated uh, ship and it had been caught red-handed delivering oil via ship-to-ship transfer mm-hmm. uh, some years ago, actually, to a North Korean vessel, which then went back to uh, Nampo and mm. delivered the oil. Um, and, it, yeah, I think it, there was a, a cluster of these vessels that were connected in one way or another that had done this on, a, on several occasions. Right. On the flip side, the, you know, that stuff did happen a few years ago, and the UN designations linger. They just It's very hard for them to disappear, so maybe that's why it didn't get much interest. But... You know, for us, I think I was just most surprised that South Korean media totally mm. overlooked that because, yeah, it's usually Donga or Choson would, would love a piece like that. But in, in the same way that uh, South Korean media and, and the world, I think, uh, ignored uh, when the USS Pueblo was sailed around or brought <laughs> around from the East Coast to the West Coast back in the early 2000s, right? Uh, nobody seemed to pick up on that. And then suddenly there it is in Pyongyang on display. Yeah, yeah, that was... I, I, I'd heard rumours as well that it could have been done by land, but that doesn't seem feasible. Mm. What happens normally to the crew in such a situation? Not the Pueblo, but back to the uh, the US san- sorry, UN think, sanctioned yeah, ship. Are I they think, just forced to stay there? I think they were a Mongolian crew and they just have to, to sit on the, the ship and await further action. I don't know what... So it would actually be interesting to find out what happened to that vessel. Right, it could still be there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's probably still seized by South Korea um, unless something has happened. The uh, I'm thinking of the the case in Lebanon that ship that brought uh, highly explosive fertilizer to uh, to Lebanon which blew up last year. Oh yeah, uh, that crew was kept in that ship uh, on at port for a, a good six months before they were allowed to go eventually. Yeah, so sometimes that happens. The crew are the one left on the hook for the owner of the ship who doesn't pay the fines or doesn't go to court or doesn't you know negotiate for the release and the crew are just sort of left there holding the baby in the form of a yeah. giant ship. The other, the other thing I think, um, which um, our colleague Nils has really, uh, I think, done some pioneering work on in the last year, uh, cyber, uh, cyber attacks by North Korea mm. are, you know, I, I think we're only scraping the surface in terms of what we know, and that this is basically already a huge area of activity, but it, that is significantly overlooked by. Um, UN panel of experts, you know, the, the section on cyber is usually just a few paragraphs mm. by uh, mainstream press. Yeah. Um, we just hear about, you know, that, uh, of course, there was Jean Lee. Uh, um, she did the right, great the Lazarus Heist great podcast. podcast series, mm. Lazarus Heist. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's so much more activity in that area. And yeah, I think we really are scratching the surface. And, uh, and it's only going to grow, isn't it? The North Korean cyber uh, activity. Yeah. I mean, as Nils points out, that Typically, if, if the U.S. was c- 
committing uh, cyber mm. attacks on Russia or China, for example, the the re the the deterrence that China has over the U.S. to prevent them doing that is that the U.S. has what's called a large a very large attack surface. In in other words, all those uh, American power stations, TV companies, hospitals, police systems are vulnerable by dint of being connected to the World Wide Web in one right. way. North Korea's attack surface is incredibly small. Mm. So they have very little to lose from all of this and they're already sanctioned to the teeth. So what do poli- what, what options do policymakers mm-hmm. really have if North Korea massively ramps up activity and theft in this area? I mean, what can they really do? Mm. And also governments who are familiar with this are reluctant to share the detail of what they know because it can reveal um, the very expensive systems and technologies that they've built right. up um, sometimes domestically to, to detect these things. So, yeah, it's a bit of a catch-22. Okay. Uh, Colin, uh, James, any other story that you thought was uh, overlooked this year that didn't get enough play? Yeah, I've got a, well, I've got a couple. Uh, just quickly, mm. one I've, that I did earlier in the year, I think both are going to be my stories, but... Um, uh, it didn't get noticed that much. I wrote about how there are these red, these large red propaganda monuments in front of you know a lot of factories, businesses all over North Korea, all over North Korea. Uh, big red f- flags in brick or stone, and mm-hmm. then they have a slogan on it. And for decades, these slogans have referred to either Kim Jong Il or like follow Kim Jong Il to the end of the earth, basically. Yep. And then they all switched to say follow Kim Jong Un to the end of the earth mm. um, during Kim Jong Un's era. But at the beginning of the year, suddenly in the course of like a month, they were all changed to say Dang Junganger Chonmanri, Dang Chungantara Chonmanri, which means follow yeah follow the party central committee to the end of the earth. Um, so it's part of to me it's part of this uh, dual track uh, under Kim Jong Un where he's boosting his cult of personality still mm-hmm. today, but at the same time boosting the institutionalism of the party so meeting you know people all around the country when they go into their factory now is the sign that says follow the party central committee um so it's a less mm. less cult of personality in that sense but right. it's a little bit confusing maybe that's why people didn't pick up on it because it's not like kim jong-un propaganda has been diminished at all so right um I wonder what chris green yeah. would make of that he's always uh, you know institutions and institutionalization surprise him <laughs> no, he wouldn't be surprised no and then the other one which is also a little bit of a mystery is in June, at the there was a plenum, and uh, state media like the Rodong Shinmun print media, they all wrote uh, one thing about the what they decided, and then KCTV, the state TV, came out and said that the agenda item actually said explicitly that there is an urgent food crisis, mm. which is a, a terminology that they do not use in North Korea to refer to themselves really ever. Right. They're always talking about uh, other countries, uh, and it said that they were urgently trying to solve this by opening up uh, food reserves and and restarting distribution of food and said, everyone, please wait till we fix this for you, right? Hmm. And so there was this big discrepancy. And uh, I thought it was really strange and kind of um, shameful that ev- all these media companies are still, to this day, referring to that plenum uh, something less impactful that Kim Jong-un said just because nice. they don't pay attention to KCTV. So... Ah. Um, it's a weird discrepancy. I have no idea why KCTV was given the authority to mm. be more uh, open and explicit about this because print media absolutely covered it up. Absolutely. Um, so that's very strange. Yeah. Um, okay. What about favorite or maybe favorite is perhaps the wrong word, but uh, 
Most interesting North Korea-focused rumor that turned out to be true this year. Anything? I was thinking, oh, were there any rumors this year that I don't mm. know if there really were. Well, well, there are ones we can't prove, prove one way or the other, all seemingly from Radio Free Asia in recent weeks. Oh, like the Squid Game stuff. Squid Games, trench coats, no laughter. Um, yeah. Oh, was it was the no laughter thing a Radio Free Asia uh, saw, single source story too? But, but that one, Colin made a good point. You can explain. Yeah. Uh, the that's probably the likeliest to be true of those three mm-hmm. i'd say it depends i mean i've always said whenever you read uh daily nk rfa asia press uh there is there has been there have been stories that have been proven correct there have been stories that have been proven wrong um they're dealing with single source anonymous and usually through uh like a game of telephone they're not always talking to the person who witnessed something right so uh it's you always have to kind of uh, take the big picture from these stories. And with the RFA, no laugh, the story is the Kim Jong-il mourning period starting from December 17th, which was the 10-year anniversary of Kim Jong-il's death just uh, about a week ago. Uh, from that day, they would have a mourning period for at least, I don't know, what was the story? But there are a lot of details in the story, like no laughing in public, no uh, drinking, no partying, something like that. And it got a lot of criticism because it's RFA and they've been, you know, there was the Squid Game thing mm-hmm. from... Uh, a month ago and Chad wrote a pretty good story on the on the Squid Game, you know, how to think deeply about it is the point instead of just taking it on its surface. Um, so with the laughter thing and, you know, uh, Chad's written a story before about how uh, people have refrained from drinking alcohol when Kim Jong-un leaves the country. Uh, or um, I think there have been stories in the past about um, you're not allowed to drink alcohol during mourning periods. Um, I think it's just there's nuance to it. I think it's it's fair to expect that they would deliver messages through organizations around the country like don't uh, be um, parting or making uh, don't be too joyous right now on the tenth year on the ten year yeah. anniversary of Kim Jong Il's death. Sure, but even state media is showing children laughing, mm. you know, in the in the days after that apparent order. Right. So um, it's not like state TV is trying to. Uh, hold a certain atmosphere because they're playing all sorts, you know, they're playing sports, they're playing right. fun kids' cartoons, um, you know. But I would still expect there to be some grain of truth to, you know, don't be yeah. overly. Yeah, when it was uh, Kim Jong Un leaving for the summit with Trump on a couple occasions, I, we we heard from uh, various sources, diplomats, aid workers, tra- uh, travel industry people that their North Korean partners, yeah, had had revealed and they can't drink or yeah, they were really being told to like just tone everything down while kim is out of the country right uh someone described it it's like the father is out of the house mm. so we have to wait until he gets back before we can have any fun yeah in my world you'd have the fun while the father's out of the house but <laughs> <laughs> while the uh, the cat's away yeah. uh chad wasn't there a time about 10 years ago when uh, kim jong-il died when you were thinking of closing down nk news yeah, yeah, I tweeted about this the other day. Basically, I, I, I didn't really start the website up to be a, a, what it is today. Mm. It was just uh, really a, a, a blog kind of project just to have on my CV. And it was around, like, yeah, dis, uh, October 2011. You know, the traffic was pretty crappy. It was like 300 hits a day or something. And I was just like, where am I going with this? Mm. Um, no, nothing exciting is happening. And then, yeah, uh, Kim Jong-il died. And I just thought, okay, actually... And I saw an instant bo- boost of traffic, even though I hadn't done any stories yeah. or blogs about Kim Jong-il dying. Um, and, and uh, yeah, just 
that I, it was a pretty decisive moment mm. in whether or not the, the website keeps going or not. So a decisive moment for both North Korea and for NK News. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, around that time, also around that time, in December 2011, uh, Victor Cha, uh, who we've not yet had on the podcast, he wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times in which he argued that North Korea was finished uh, and that it would come apart in weeks, maybe months, uh, perhaps to become the next Chinese province. Now, that prediction, like so many about North Korea over the years, hasn't aged particularly well. Uh, so it's time to make some predictions here that won't age well. So I have prepared... <laughs> Uh, four cards and four pens. I'm going to hand them out now. There you go. And so we don't influence, influence each other's answers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What we're going to do is I want each of us to, uh, to write down something very specific that may happen in the next... Uh, so not between January 1st, 2022 and December 31st, 2022. So it's a prediction for 2022. We'll, and then we'll put 10,000 won into a pot and whoever's prediction comes true will get the uh, the 40,000 won. Uh, if more than one becomes true, then the pot is split. And if none comes true, then we donate the money to a charity nominated by Chad. Uh, and a year from now, we'll come back and read these predictions uh, on the air again. Now, the only uh, rule is it, it must be something specific. It can't be something boring like North Korea will open its borders. Uh, and no uh, predicting someone's death, please, because that's a bit tasteless. And make sure to write your name on the card. Okay, if you're done, please hand your card back to me. Hand your card back. <laughs> Colin's breaking down. <laughs> I mean, I have something like quite boring. So, I mean, are we supposed to make it fun or exciting? It doesn't have to be fun. It's just uh, at least more interesting than North Korea won't open its borders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think, you know, is something going to happen with the population i mean are they going to be just as uh are they just going to are they going to live the same you know compliant life for the next 10 years that they did for the last 10 years and the last 70 me. years you know that's what i wonder but that's too bold of a, of a prediction to say that anything's going to happen no, look, just finish what you got there some very interesting things here so far of course, we, uh, South Korea will have a, uh, a new president uh, in the next year. That's going to be interesting to see how he or she uh, takes care of the North Korea situation. All okay, right, number two is, is more fun. Okay. Number right, one well, is, is more immediate. Number two is more uh, long-term. This okay, is going to be in the next, you know, the, the 20 years since uh, the Kim Jong-un podcast when you'll invite us all back and say, James, uh, do you remember uh, 10 years ago when you told me that... Uh, well, exactly. Actually, happened. How wrong you were, uh, Chad. Do you th do you see yourself uh, in twenty thirty one still running NK News? Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, here's here's the predictions. Here, I'm going to re read them out now for our audience. Uh, Colin, uh, satellite launch before another ICBM launch. Uh, that's he's actually got two predictions. And the second one: North Korea will open intranet social media app or dating app. That's an interesting, that's it. I like that. Mm. Okay, uh, James, no end of war declaration by the end of Moon's term, which is um, early May, I think, he is, is the inauguration of the next president, right? So Really putting your neck out on that, that one. That, that's, that's a little bit of a no-brainer, yeah. Gee, I don't think that's very dangerous. Okay, uh, Chad, in 2022, China threatens to withdraw from the UN panel of experts. To, no, withdraw support for it because it's a UN, uh, it has a uh, mandate ah, that sorry. has to be renewed every year. Withdraw support. Yeah. 
uh, and myself, North Korea will start live streaming its propaganda on the internet. Mm. Live streaming. Live streaming. Mm. So we'll start seeing things maybe from a parade or an event. We'll see some live streaming rather than waiting until a day later to, uh, to show. They've parades. already shown some stuff live before. Not that, not that rare. Wasn't it the weather? Last year, Colin. Yeah, they did a weather, but well, that was more like real time, not really. But they live. don't. They don't but, actually. But with a narration, though, like a, a vlogger or somebody saying, "And here we have, you know, the missiles coming down the." Uh, and they the don't street. have a. They don't have a and live stream website. It's all through state TV, which is a chore to mm. receive if you're not um, in the media. So that's uh, that was, will be an interesting one. Yes, oh, that's we're going to wrap it up for this end of year podcast to our audience. Uh, Happy New Year to all of you. Wishing a, a for a peaceful and healthy 2022 for everybody on the Korean Peninsula and everyone looking at the Korean Peninsula. Thank you again, James, Chad, and Colin for coming on this show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. And also special thanks to Arias Dare and Brian Betts for facilitating this podcast and to Gabby Magnuson, our post-recording producer genius. If you have any questions, feedback, or guest recommendations, please send them to podcast at nknews.org. Thank you and listen again next time. Mm-hmm.